previously on Kurt Spurbs Blurbs. Did you touch my son? <laughs> Tonight on Kurt Spurbs Blurbs. He ripped off Danny Elfman. Jerry Goldsmith ripped off Danny Elfman. Kurt B. Burbson. Kurt B. Blurbson. Kurt B. Burbson now. Kurt B. Burbson. Kurt B. Blurbson. It's Kurt Spurbs Blurbs time now. It's Kurt Spurbs Blurbs time now. What up, what up, what up, neighbors and lunatics? Dr. Kurt Money here with the only podcast dedicated to the 1989 Joe Dante masterpiece, The Burbs. I'm your host, Dr. Kurt Money. So this pod is about The Burbs. I say it at least twice an episode. I've got that part covered. But the part of the pod that I don't talk about twice is that, yes, this is a podcast about The Burbs, but it's also about me trying to figure out why I love The Burbs so much and can't stop watching the damn thing. I don't bring that part up very often because, well, the Burbs talk usually takes the front seat on topics. But, uh, I can't hide from it this episode. Why? We actually kind of get close to maybe scratching the surface of something that could explain this obsession. I mean, besides the fact that it's to Bitbo. The Burbs is the best of all time. Anyway, I've been sitting on this episode for two weeks because A, I was terrified to edit it, and B, even more terrified to release it. Because, well, I mean, it's not the most flattering facts about old Dr. Money here. And I'm embarrassed, all right? And I cut out half of the embarrassing stuff, so... (laughs) But it is me, and I'm an open book, and I'm also a medical doctor, and I took some oath or something, I don't know, about telling the truth. Uh, I open up a lot in here, and some R-rated details will sneak up on you, but do not worry. If it was anywhere near as alarming as McClure's penis degloving story... Okay, so bath salts are really bad. I would give you a warning or kick it to the end of the pod or something. But here's the deal. This pod is about the best movie of all time, The Burbs. The Burbs. But it's also about me, Dr. Money. And hey, if you don't want to hear those parts, I'm cool with that. Feel free to skip right ahead to get back to The Burbs and you won't hurt my feelings. As long as you don't tell me that you skip parts. Don't tell me if you do skip or that it was too much me and too little burbs for you. If that's a fact, that's a fact you can feel. Just don't tell the good doctor. All right. You got it. Anyway, sat down with coworker and friend Jeff McCubbin, also fellow podcaster. He's got his own podcast called Comic Book Queers, and you should check it out at Comic Book Queers on Instagram and Twitter. But first, listen to this from start to finish and love every second of it. Then go check out Jeff's pod. All right, let's get to the burbs. What's up? Who signed your La La Land? Uh, dude, that's Damien Chazelle. Mm. And you like that movie? Oh, I fucking love it. Oh, do we have a problem? I don't like the movie. (laughs) What up, what up, what up, neighbors and lunatics? Dr. Kurt Money here with the only podcast dedicated to the 1989 Joe Dante masterpiece, The Burbs, a.k.a. Tom Hanks' best movie. I am here with coworker and friend, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Jeff McCubbin. Hey. We're buds, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I put a question mark at the end of it. Every other time we've ever hung out was at work. So I always felt like one of us was thinking like, okay, wrap it up because I have an impossible deadline that I have to accomplish. Uh But see, now it's just free. We do. We're just in the cave, living it up. In the cave. So what do you think? It's great. It's literally like a little mini movie theater in a studio. I love it. Yeah. Um, how are you? Are you okay? How many how many episodes of the podcast have there been? This will be number 13. 13. Mm-hmm. Good, honey. And you see no end in sight Mm-mm. of you just talking about the burbs. Do you, yeah, I'm literally bursting at the seams of things to discuss with you about it. And I'm not joking when I say that when you leave, I'm going to watch it again so that I can say the words with it. 
Okay. So that was number 82. So are you okay? I don't know, dude. <laughs> what, what, what's your opinion? Do you think I'm okay or no? Well, I mean, okay, this is the thing. I get obsessed over things, too. Mm -hmm. Every day when I went home from school, from fourth grade to eighth grade, I watched the movie Clue. It's not just a game anymore. There were movies where I watched over and over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. However, that was back in a time where there wasn't a lot on TV. Now, there's so much to watch on YouTube and so many movies and there's DVDs and streaming. I don't feel the need to watch the same thing over and over again. So I'm wondering, when did you start watching The Burbs over and over again? Have you been doing it ever since you were a kid? No, I was afraid of the box cover. I thought it was a horror movie. But you like horror movies. I do now. But as a kid, you were scared of it. Hell no, dude. I watched like The Exorcist and Texas Chainsaw 1 as a child. That's Oh, that's very damaging. What is it? The two things I remembered from the movie mm-hmm. was the zoom in and out with the femur when they're screaming. Classic. Yep. This is Walter. No! And the part where they're in the ambulance and he's just like, you remember the neighbors called Nap. They belong to a neighbor of yours. The name was Nap. Like, I always remembered that there was the Nap. Wow. And those are the parts that I always remembered. I think I remember it because the girl, the mean girl in school, mm-hmm. in my school, was named Jamie Nap, and I no. hated her. Really? So I'd liked, I used to like think that maybe she was murdered. I know you did. But I still want to talk about why, not seeing it as a kid, mm-hmm. why did you suddenly, like, is this your favorite movie of all time? Yeah, dude. But so why? why? <laughs> I mean, it, you saw it on the screen. It's fucking dope. I think it's a fun movie. You like it? But it's not my favorite movie of all time. It's the best. It's the best of all time. It's <laughs> That's the what I mean. So what is it that for you, like you feel this is better than any Quentin Tarantino movie? Yeah, it's better than any other movie. <laughs> okay, so... All right, but like, what is it that touches you with it? Dude, that's legitimately why I do the podcast. I can justify, as a 35-year-old, watching the same damn movie all the goddamn time, just to have a podcast about it. Okay. How about that? So, all right, it couldn't have been another movie that's suddenly just like, oh, I want to watch this one over and over again. What is it? How can you keep watching it again and not get sick of it? Dude, I I genuinely don't know the answer to that. But it's weird, dude, because I take it so seriously. And I know that I... It's like I can look on the outside and look at me and go, Oh my God, look at this loony bin over here. Yeah. But I... I can't help it. Like, I genuinely still love it. Anytime Art talks, I love it. How you doing, bud? I feel there's issues with the movie, though. So do you like feel what? it's a perfect movie? Yes, it is perfect. Yeah. Okay, they keep calling him the fat guy. Yeah, that's... And he's mm. not very fat, which there's, makes yeah. me think John Candy was supposed to play that part. That's funny that you say that, because... Is that true? In this blasphemous book that I have here that talks shit about the burps, they're saying, in a role that screams John Candy. What? John Candy was just such a big force in the 80s that if you had a guy who was chubby, everybody was like, oh, they obviously want this to be the John Candy role. I'm suggesting it's written as a John Candy role, not just like, oh, right. they said fat. It's not because he was fat. The way those lines are written, right. it's a John Candy character. He's that good-natured 
charming but bumbling idiot dude art is, is not good natured or charming uh-uh. no but it's always like hey what's going on oh look, there's got food oh well, let me eat that food but he's hey. razzing people and like no, it carol all, doesn't no, like good, him but he's good natured because he's always happy you know what i mean like in the similar way of like his john candy's character from planes trains and automobiles it's funny you bring it's that up it's similar it's funny because you said the john candy thing and then there's a point where art's trying to get a card out of his wallet but it's burnt to a crisp yeah what other movie Feature someone with burnt credit cards. Oh, right. Blade right, Strings! Right. Okay. Isn't that wild? Yes. Cool. Good, honey. I don't understand why they don't call the police. They found a human bone. I think this came off a chicken or something. And their neighbor goes missing and leaves the dog. He must have gone away and forgot to feed Queenie. That is call the police thing. So... I did. No one's ever been hung up on that part before. Why? If you find a human bone... I wouldn't know it's a human police. bone, though, dude. I'm with Ray. I didn't pay attention in Biology 101. What else would that bone be? Well, I, you think it's a chicken or something? That's what he says in the movie. Uh, yes, but I'm saying, <laughs> what else would it be? Who knows? I feel that's justified enough to call the police, especially when your neighbor just leaves his dog with a chair knocked over and his toupee gone and the TV on. Signs of a struggle. Signs of a struggle that you wouldn't call the police just to be sure that everything's okay. They're like, oh, we'll just hope for the best. Future Kurt here. While I was editing, I realized that I had the perfect retort for why they didn't call the cops. I knew that I, Future Kirk, could pop in here and set the record straight, but it wouldn't be fair if I didn't give Future Jeff a chance to rebuff. So here it is, recorded on my phone in Jeff's office. Remember that one time when you said that they should have called the cops? Yes. Tom Hanks suggested that they call the cops before they go into Walter's house. Yeah, I remember that, but they still didn't. What's well, because Art was so mean to him about it. He's like, oh, good call, Ray. Don't tell. When a dog hands you a human bone, you call the police. Dude, you know what's funny is so I had my sister on. She said, oh, that's a femur bone before he said it. And I was like, Maddie, look at you. One, she's a nurse. And then two, she's fucking roasting me left and right because she's like, yeah, I took anatomy 101. I know what the hell a femur bone is. The most recognizable bone besides the skull. That's the other thing is it would be you would learn it in anatomy 101. And he said biology 101. See, that's because art's a dumb dumb, dude. That's kind of funny, right? Yes! Also, what is up with the haircut? Okay. The Carrie Fisher okay. haircut. Jeff? Why? Mm-hmm. Why did she get a haircut? She cut your hair. And why did she come back? Well, I think that Bonnie called the cottage and said, hey, you might want to get down here. Your husband's half dead and he blew up the neighbor's house. So the kid stays, but she brings back the dog. Oh, God. What's this? That makes perfect sense. What's up? What's up? Why did she get a haircut? Oh, right. Okay. Oh, now on the bonus features, Wendy Shaw talks about how they would call cut and Carrie Fisher would take her hair off and it would look like her hair underneath. She had to wear a wig that looked exactly like her hair. So my theory is, is that end shot must have been a reshoot or something where they didn't have the wig. And so they just let her use her real hair. And so that's why Tom Hanks called it out, I think. You cut your hair. It's a line that's like, it's only uttered because I feel like, oh, we don't have this wig, so we need to write a line in. There's two lines too. He says it twice. I really do like your hair. I'm okay with it though. I'm okay with it. Well, of course you are. It's your favorite movie ever. It's the best movie of all time. The Birds is the best.
of all time. What I would have done, I would have loved to see a scene where she was at the cut, like, was that with her cousin? Who was it? Her, was it her brother? Cutting her hair in the cottage and then they get the call and then she's like, oh my God, I got it. And then Bonnie tells her that she has to come back. If they just did that, I would have been more comfortable with it. But then we would have been randomly. to a location that's not Mayfield Place, dude. One of the magic things about the movie is that it all takes place on this street. Joe Dante said, we were tempted to let them go outside of the neighborhood, but we didn't want to. We wanted to keep it here and contained. All and right. I, I can understand that. But then I'm like, if you're going to put the money in for reshoots, then you really should have gotten the wig. It seemed like it was only there because of a mistake. Hmm. Okay, well, if that's the case, I feel like they covered it with the lines. I know, but the lines have nothing to do with the plot. Right. The lines have nothing to do with the for, like with anything except except being in there so that they can cover the mistake. Or it's almost like somebody was in an explosion and knows that they're about to go to jail for a long time and they're a little bit out of sorts. So the thing that they kept harping on was the denial thing of, oh, you cut your hair. That's what's weird today. Not the fact that I might be missing an eye. Whoa! Part of my life's goal is to increase the Burbs footprint online. So right now it's non-existent. If I wanted to read the shooting script for Gremlins, I could probably find it. But mm -hmm. not the Burbs because people aren't wise to it yet, my friend. Yet. Do you think you're going to turn people around yeah, on this? Uh, yeah. Every time I meet somebody, they're going to think about the Burbs because they're going to shake my hand and go, look at this dude. The only tattoo he has is of the movie The Burbs. Maybe I should go watch this movie. What do you think? Is that what you think they're thinking? Yeah. <laughs> What's your second favorite movie of all time? McGruber. McGruber. McGruber? McGruber. Yeah. You like McGruber, right? I like McGruber. It's, it's fucking just, dope. But what we have, that's the one thing is we have very different tastes in movies. Okay. McGruber. Because there's... I love I, Clues Dope. I just watched it recently. No, true. But there's many movies that I, like I loved Midsommar and Hereditary and you hate those movies. <laughs> Like, you love La La Land, and I hate yeah, La La Land. I love it. Oh, dude. I only have one problem with La La Land. Is it because they can't sing? Two problems. Okay. No, three problems. Okay. One, they can't sing. Okay. Two, they can't dance. And I just feel, if you're doing a musical, there's a lot of really great actors that can sing and can dance. I thought they did just fine. Well, you know what? I don't want just fine. I want amazing. <laughs> Okay. If you're winning an Oscar, it's not for just fine. It should be you blew me away. But my third thing is I don't really like the music. I understand that people have different tastes and things. So if people hate the movies that I love, I am totally, utterly fine with that. I've recently been trying to get my top 10 Ooh, of hear it. movies of all time. Here's my top seven. And this will be interesting because one is very, very recent and it popped all the way to number two. Uh, number one, Mulholland Drive. Number two, Parasite. Ooh. Number three, Clue. Number four, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Number five, The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Number six, Persona. Number seven, Pulp Fiction. Check out the big brain on bread. The only title that The Burbs doesn't hold is MacGruber to me is still the funniest movie ever made. But The Burbs is better than it because it's to be about the best of all time. You're a smart motherfucker. That's right. Oh, and then up in there, Anchorman. Okay. And Bridesmaids are up in there, up so, in there too. So there's that's where our Venn diagram will overlap. Now, I'm familiar with the other ones you said and Persona, Bergman. Like, like I, I, think, I know those titles and I have a few of them over I here. I think Anchorman is funnier than MacGruber. Hell no, but... Anchorman's super funny. Anchorman is super funny. Did you like the sequel? No. What? 
We have a mutual friend, Jesse, that used to work with us, and now he lives in Phoenix. Did he do this? When he was in town, he stayed, and we were going to record, but we were too busy. We watched uh, Missing Link, this movie with these, like, monkeys that were killer. They're so dumb. It's with uh, Elizabeth Shue, and it's with a real ape. Was it recent? 86, maybe. It's... Awesome. The things that well, Elizabeth Shue... Well, 87 is the year Adventures in Babysitting came out. Adventures in Babysitting is a better movie than The Burbs. It's not. And <laughs> do you know where the door is? Why? Now, back to the Jesse thing. He was my gay whisperer because I'm like new to the world or whatever. And so I could like ask him questions like anything because I was in the... Well, I don't know where I am now. You think I'm a fraud? What do you think? A fraud in terms of being... I don't know. Like I identify... Of your sexuality? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, you said you're pan. Yeah, right? but I but but now my thinking is it's not worth it to try and be with anybody. It's too exhausting. So I'm well, I'm kind. You're asexual now. Well, no, because I'm still I still like you know. Did anybody fucking knock anymore? Well, choosing to be with someone or not be with someone has nothing to do with your sexuality. Well, no, but I mean like I don't try for it. It's not like a priority for me. I found out being in relationships. Actually, the timing of this is interesting. But you remember when I was with my first guy? You yeah, were. I talked to you about that. Guess when that was? What was that? Like six months ago? It was uh, like the first week of September. Okay. So I mean, it is. It does line up with this. Which I is was funny. right after you watched the birds. Well, he because he shafted me, and that was when you told me that gays flake. Shafted you. No, that didn't have it. There's got to be a better way to say that. You told me that, be careful, he might flake. And then he did. Yeah. Like two minutes before he's supposed to come over. And I was like, there's two days wasted on this bullshit. And now I got to do it again. And then it did happen and it was awesome. But I just, I was still nerve wracking to me. And I thought my whole life, the reason why I have such an issue with being like intimate and why it's gotten harder as I've gotten older is because there's this part of me that I wasn't engaging in and while that's there and i'm attracted to men i was still just as much in my head like it's not like the key opened the door um yeah being up in your head that's just anxiety but i i mean i'm trying not to honestly this is what i tell people and a lot of people they have that where they're like oh i get so nervous it's not worth it i'm just gonna not try and date anyone yes i think everyone should go through a phase where they're just a whore no that sounds like a nightmare dude you're just trying to have fun and if you have fun oh we get to have fun this time if you don't it doesn't matter you're not taking anything personally you're not it's no just i take fun. everything personally well i and mean but that's what saying i hate going to bars i don't like to dance i i get very sweaty the like what you just said about like go out there and do all these things and fuck around oh, but i'm like oh my god I, I, you don't have to go out you just go on apps but i don't i'm not sending pictures of my dick and stuff dude like i'm not doing that that's insanity i'm not doing it well then maybe you aren't because if you have a gay bone in your body you're going to send a dick pic Okay. That's part well, of it. Oh boy, I'm going to no, be careful kidding. how I edit I'm this. I'm just kidding. But dude, I'm I'm not like fucking John Holmes over here. I have like an average sized dick. I'm not going to take a picture of it. Too relaxed. You don't have to send naked pictures. I feel like, yeah, well. But that's the thing is you can be like, hey, you have to see it in person. Right. <laughs> but then there's like, you go to the profiles and it's like, there's things that say like, don't even bother if you're less than nine inches or something. Well, then don't, then fuck those people. I mean, don't fuck. Don't fuck them. <laughs> you just have to not care. You just have to not give a crap. Yeah, that sounds so easy. Because that's the thing is, for me, sex got amazing once I became selfish. Like, I'm only going to concentrate on what makes me feel good. And so if the other person sees how turned on you are, that's what they really want. So I realize everyone that I'm with is suddenly going to be like, oh, wow, he's having a good time. I'm awesome. But there's a speed bump there. That's so big, I can't even see over it. And that's called this cocktail of meds 
and anxiety that make it physically difficult to be excited. Erection oh, stuff, dude. That, and, that's that's that's. And then when I'm alone, dude, it's just fine. And that, so doctors like, well, it's in your head, and I'm like, no fucking shit. But how do I solve that without spending twenty five dollars a blue pill? Whoa. A doctor gave it to me as a sample once because my wife and I were trying to get pregnant and stuff. I will just say I used to work in the porn industry. <gasps> wow. Yes. Do you work kidding when your profile says Randy Blue or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Dope. I used to be the creative director of RandyBlue.com. That's really cool. Like 10 years ago. Was it awesome or? When it was people that were have that were into it and having fun, yes. When it was a bunch of straight people or people with anxiety, if your anxiety is bad enough, you can take Viagra and your anxiety will still make it hard to get hard. Fun. The problem is, like, once there's a hiccup, it's like, oh, this is fucked. And then, so like, I mean, dude, the, we got to get back to the birds here in a second because this is really bumming me out. But uh, the help that Viagra gives me I feel like that's all I need. Like when I would take it, it would be enough for me to get over that lump of, oh my God, this isn't going to work or it's going to work for a second or we're not going to be able to do this or this or this. Yeah. It's not like it doesn't work. It's just the success rate is not what it should be. Who knows? And it wasn't when you're trying to have a kid and like have a happy marriage and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, that was one hell of a non-burbs blip. Let's get back to the burbs. Roger. So the sex life in the burbs. So wait, dude, can I say something? Dernsey, when he walks out that front door in the beginning, kind of does it for me. Like attractive-wise? Yeah. One of the Huns came out of the cave. I'm going to tell you, I am not attracted to a single person in the burbs. Why? There's one person, if you gave them a haircut, that t-shirt guy that you have. (laughs) Nicky Cat? I think if he got rid of his mullety long hair I maybe would have sex with him I've never been attracted to Tom Hanks Tom Hanks is an attractive dude but he is too much of like he's like a Mickey Mouse like he, I, he has no sex appeal yeah but I like, like that's not as strong bachelor party no I haven't what uh, it's weird right I watched that he's supposed to be kind of like the leading man in this and I really felt like there was the the other men like this this the cohorts were so hot and cute and sexy mm-hmm. but then he was kind of the main leading man and I was like you have no sex appeal yeah but Do you he- know my first Tom Hanks the first time I saw Tom Hanks money pit no no before that the one that I was really like oh who was that guy was when he was on family ties whoa dude that's a fucking deep cut yeah I think he won an Emmy did he really Best guest actor because wow. he played I think um, the mom's Meredith Baxter Bernie's brother mm-hmm. and he was an alcoholic cool and there's one scene where he's looking for a drink at night and Alex P. Keaton Michael J. Fox mm-hmm. tries to stop him you think I I am drunk. Let me tell you something, buddy. I'm drunk. Dude, that's funny. That reminds me of Leo's Growing Pains episode where they thought he was drinking the wine. The wine bottles kept disappearing. He was like, I dump them out because that's what my dad did. You can't tell me anything about booze. I don't know. It makes you stupid. It makes you sick. That's a fucked up, the fucked up dynamics behind that. that what, Growing Pains? The sister yeah. had horrible bulimia yeah. and almost died. Mm-hmm. And then Boner committed suicide. Andrew Koenig, yeah. And then the dad um, had that awful son who wrote <laughs> Blurred Lines. You know, Alan Thicke wrote the theme song to uh, Growing Pains mm-hmm. and to Different Strokes mm-hmm. and to Facts of Life. Yep. His wife sang the song to Facts of Life. So the ah. guy who wrote Blurred Lines, his mom sang the theme to Facts of Life. 
That's really funny. Says who? Dude, I feel like this is, I'm in a weird spot because we got to get back to the burbs, but I got to be honest, dude, what we're talking about with that sex stuff, I've never told anybody before. Like the first episode I did, I said all this shit because I wanted people to listen because I was tired of like, like I wasn't going to wait until I was with somebody and take a selfie and post on Instagram because I was like, when the fuck is that going to be? Because dude, the, the thing I realized with relationships, they're awesome for six months and then you have to get back to being you. And if I'm not happy with that guy, I'm miserable for everybody else. Yeah. And the only way I'm going to be happy is if I'm successful out here. Like I'm fucking and drowning like I can't be with anybody because I I'm mad at myself you know what I mean yeah um, fix me please <laughs> <laughs> you got it that's why when the dude came over here I mean I was so in my head but it's like I break the seal where I'll be sweating and when I say sweating I mean like where I was laying on the bed was was like a pool it was disgusting <laughs> Half the pillow, it looked like I had dipped it in the tub first. Oh, my God. It's fucking gross. And I'm like, this is why I'm just not, this is not worth it. But that sucks is something for when you get nervous that you sweat that much. When I get nervous, my hands go numb. So that's when I'm with someone that I'm nervous about intimately. I feel bad because when I touch them, they're like, oh, my God, your hands are blocks of ice. And I'm like, sorry. Sorry. I was kind of forced to come out to my friend. It was a whole thing where I was kind of forced out a little bit after my wife and I split up. I felt 35 pounds lighter just admitting to her. But I'm like, I don't know what I am. So that's why Pan felt comfortable because it's like literally anything and everything. Like I did nothing. I don't have to asterisk anything. Mm-hmm. But now I do. Like, that's why I say the fraud thing, because you hear Pan and it's like, well, you don't. But that's the thing is there's plenty of people that are passing as straight and they're bisexual or Pan. But then they fall in love with someone of the opposite gender and they get married and they have a normal life. That doesn't mean they're any less. It's about what you're attracted to, not about actually what you're doing right so you're not a fraud because you're not actively trying to seek that out because that's the the fact that you're like oh i saw I'm bring back to the perps mm-hmm. the fact that i saw bruce dern and that gave me a tingling feeling there you go you're not a fraud yeah well yeah and i was honestly with, I believe it's about what you jerk off to anybody fucking knock anymore i was with a trans woman a few months after the divorce because i was like i've got to figure this out because i'd never been with anybody but a woman i was like too scared to pay for it with a guy because it's like you look online and it's like 12 inches and they're like six and a half feet tall or whatever and i'm like this is terrifying to me wait to pay so you were like looking at an escort oh yeah dude i'm not going to bars and stuff i told you i'm not good at that <laughs> but we can't, there's tons of escorts that aren't 12 inches well I didn't find any. And besides, dude, I did. Um, <laughs> this is getting way too real. But is this why I like the burbs? Well, I do find it interesting. Our favorite movies usually have something that are not just about the movie, but about what was going on when we saw them. Sometimes there's movies that I love, and then I see them years later, and I was like, oh, this is garbage. Or a movie where I hated, and then I see it later, and then I'm like, oh, no, this is great. I remember I saw The Shining with a bunch of friends, mm-hmm. and we just laughed. Wow. And I was like, this is so funny and dumb. And we were just like, Whoa. And then years later, I was in college, got high, and decided to watch that movie by myself. And that's not going to happen with me. It was one of the most frightening things I had ever seen. It was like a completely different movie. Totally. So the, I do feel the mindset that you're in when you watch the movie really does affect 
how you feel about it. So that's why part of me is asking you, what made you choose to watch The Burbs in 2016? John Mulaney was introducing it at CineFamily. So you saw it in the theaters? Well, I left. I was staying at my friend's house because she was out of town. And I was split Wait, up. Wait, so you didn't see The Burbs that night? I went home and rented it on iTunes because I felt bad. Okay. And I liked it. What do you feel changed? What did you notice about the movie? Did you suddenly see like, oh, I see what the direction is doing. I see what the performance is. I liked how weird it is and the asides and how there's a darkness to it, which is more, there's a work print on the Blu-ray and Art is more of an asshole in that one at the end. And you could tell he's a little bit more of a tortured soul. Art right. Shit. Know what I didn't like? What? Corey Feldman addressing the camera at the very end. Dude! That's one of the best parts! God, I love this street. I felt like that, and then the part with the camera zooming in and out. This is Walter. We're a little meta. It felt very out of place to me. It was like... When they go over to Walter's house, and it's the fucking awesome part where Corey Feldman comes tearing in and it breaks the cookie tray. Hey, you guys, look. These cookies are all... That's great! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when they great. leave that kitchen, you know what I noticed? What? That motherfucking fridge door is a jar. Good, honey. So everything in that is like melted and shit. You know what happens when a fridge breaks? So he walks into his kitchen, it fucking stinks in there, dude. He's got a broken window. Well, I don't know if food would start stinking. Well, it'd be ruined. It would be ruined, but it might not smell yet. But it still would be a bummer. Good work. So you're just thinking about the poor food in the fridge. Well, and for Walter and his, whoever has to live with him, he seems like a real grump. So he'd He's probably gay. Be like, Walter? He is so gay. Oh, he has the best lawn. He has a toupee. <laughs> and he has a poodle. <laughs> Dude, I never put that together. Walter is so gay. Queenie! And so is the one garbage man with a rainbow on his chest. Garbage! See, I also never put that together. Although I don't think the rainbow met gay yet back then. It didn't. Oh, okay. I like this. Have you ever tried seeing what happens, how long you can go without watching the burbs? No, that scares me, dude. I'd rather, like, give up porn or something. <laughs> wow so you feel like a withdrawal almost like a drug if you don't watch it for a while yeah so like when you're at work are you like i just want to go home and put the burbs on yeah when you have it on mm -hmm. do you now just have it on the background and you're doing other things or you have to stop and you're just like watching it i gotta stop and watch it that's the weird thing dude i can't just have it on and it's it, to me that's the greatest score of all time too Fucking Jerry Goldsmith was with his weird-ass score and the dog toys and the squeaking. It's so amazing. Do you, you don't feel like he was ripping off Beetlejuice in some of those parts? No. And I, Every time the garage what? door opened, I was like, that's from Beetlejuice. Shut up, dude. No! That organ sound is like the same sound of when Beetlejuice like comes out of the grave. You're trying to say Jerry Goldsmith ripped off Beetlejuice? He ripped off, he ripped off Danny Elfman? Jerry Goldsmith. Ripped off Danny Elfman. I'm saying it sounds almost identical. Uh, like if you play, uh, <laughs> I would just say play the part where the, the garage door opens. And then watch Beetlejuice when he like comes out of the grave and stuff like that. gonna go watch television your sister was on jeopardy did yes she won second place yes tell me this is in the late 90s jeopardy came to the baltimore dc area and my mom was like you two should apply and i was like i'm not doing it because i'm dumb now 
but my sister did it and she made it through the rounds and then it's she like fucking got Rosie Perez on, and White Man Can't Jump did and she flew to Los Angeles <gasps> and and at that time she was married to a guy that was like a gambler so he was like this is what you do when you get double if you get double jeopardy bet everything do this this like he was like he knew how to play the game yeah and then the one funny thing is that she they were like you need to write five talking points for Alex to talk with you about after the first commercial break. Okay. And she couldn't think of what the fifth one would be. So she put down, oh, I have really good line karma. (laughs) That's pretty good. And so, of course, so on the episode, Alex Trebek is like, so you have good line karma? And my sister is like, yeah, like just whenever there's like at a grocery store, at a checkout place, in line for a concert, at a ride, there's never anyone in front of me. But as soon as I get in line, suddenly there's like tons of people behind me. And then Alex is like, oh, that's happened to me before. And she's like, yeah, I have. <laughs> Dude, that's brilliant. And that was her conversation I had with Alex Trebek. Now, in the end, she beat the champion mm-hmm. from the day before who got last place. And she got second and the other person got first. She on a cruise. All right, the t- we're watching the show. Here's the deal. Half this podcast is supposed to be me trying to figure out why I love the burbs. And I feel like we really scratched the surface of something today. And I don't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think there, there's a journey to figure out why, like what happened in August that made this movie resonate with you so much. But you were watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a lot. Yeah, dude, the, these overlapped. That's the wild thing is they truly overlapped where I was like, I was falling in love with the burbs and I'm going, oh no, but I'm still in this Once Upon a Time in Hollywood thing. And guess who's in both? Dernsey. Squeaky. <laughs> no one appreciates that impression. It is spot on. Okay. That is exactly what he sounds like. Anyway. Sure was damp today. Squeaky. All right. So before I can let you out of here, you can give the burbs one of three ratings. Okay. The first one is ABB. Always be burbsing. Okay. That means that you want the burbs to happen all the time because you know it's fucking dope. Number two. This is the ideal one, but no pressure. To Bitboat. The burbs is the best of all time. Okay. That means the burbs is the best of all time. Number three. KBB. You don't want nothing to do with the burbs. Kurt be burbsing only. I'm going to leave. No burbsing for me. That is an unfair rating system because I feel like the first two are so extreme positive mm. and the other one is like completely negative. I don't know, dude. This went through a focus group and everybody agreed this was the perfect thing. <laughs> All right. Then I will be the, 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 I'll be the always be burbs in. Love it. Now, sir, I would like to think that I'm self-aware enough to know that for you to come over to my apartment on a weekend and watch a movie and talk about it for hours, mm-hmm. you probably were not looking forward to this, and I just hope it wasn't as miserable as you were no, anticipating. No, it was fun. No, it was fun. And I ate Chipotle. Hell yeah. How about those uh, and burst... some jelly beans. The burst beans, dude. Yeah. Burst beans. All right. Burst beans. Burbs. Burst beans. Ah! Okay. Okay. Bye. <laughs> that was fun. And that, my friends, slash neighbors, slash lunatics, is the end of the episode. Remember to follow Jeff at Evil Jeff on Instagram and to check out his podcast, Comic Book Queers, which is at Comic Book Queers on Instagram and Twitter. And while I'm a plugging, uh, go ahead and get your burbs on over at, at Kurt's Burbs Blurbs on Instagram and at Kurt's Burbs Blurb singular on Twitter. But anyway, more important than that, ABB, baby. Always be burbs. Help me. I'm out of here.